0: Standard. Welcome to the Dr. Hedberg Show for cutting edge practical health information. For the latest articles, videos, and podcasts, visit drhedberg.com. That's D R H E D B E R G.com. The information in this show is intended for educational purposes only. Always consult your healthcare professional before attempting anything recommended in this program. And now, here's Dr. Hedberg. Well, this is Dr. Hedberg. Thanks for Greetings everyone, this is Dr. Hedberg and welcome to the show. Today I'm going to be talking about genetically modified foods. This is an extremely contentious topic, Um, a lot of emotion around this topic, a lot of media hype, a lot of misinformation. Uh, So let's uh, jump right in. There was a recent uh, Gallup poll and it showed that 48% of respondents actually believe that foods produced using biotechnology pose a serious health hazard compared to just 36% who do not. So these people, 48%, believe that foods using biotech are bad for you, even though there's no science to support that. And uh, there's also a lot of uh, press and controversy right now about GMO labeling. Currently, there are laws being passed. Uh, Vermont was the the first state to enact such a law requiring GMO labeling. So we'll talk about, you know, if that's even really necessary. But before we dig into this, let's just lay some bedrock for what what is a gmo actually so that you can understand that uh basically scientists they extract dna from an organism they modify that dna and then they incorporate it into the genome of the same species or a different one and so they'll transfer the modified dna using what's called a gene gun where they inject uh, dna coded pellets into the plants, or they can just use bacteria for the delivery, so they can do it either way. Another way is to turn off a gene that is normally expressed without introducing a new gene. And uh, just to get a little bit more technical, there's uh, GMOs that are called cisgenic GMOs, and these are achieved by Introducing genes from closely related species and transgenic GMOs are the result of genes from distant species crossing over to other kingdoms of life. So one example would be taking a gene from a bacteria and inserting it into a plant that will produce a transgenic GMO. Now, both of these types of genetic modifications, they actually occur in nature on a regular basis. And so, a lot of people claim that this is unnatural, but it's actually completely natural because it's been occurring in nature since the, the beginning of the Earth. Uh, so, GMOs are really one, actually one of science's greatest achievements that, if we look at our scientific history, Uh, This is at the top of the list as far as what we've done to benefit humanity. Um, One of them is um, making insulin for diabetics uh, through genetic modification so that they can regulate their blood sugar, and then also the uh, creation of growth hormone through genetic modification, and that's used for kids who have rare genetic disorders That will prevent them from growing. And uh, both of those hormones, insulin and the growth hormone, are produced from genetically modified bacteria. So we've done some great things, not just in medicine, but also helping to feed our ever-growing planetary population. So that's kind of the bedrock for what they are, and then they've been around for a long time, they've been around for the last 10,000 years, and pretty much every food that you've eaten in your life is genetically modified, because the food that we eat today, it really bears little resemblance to what our ancestors ate thousands of years ago, so one example would be apples. We have all these different types of apples, Granny Smith, Golden Delicious, Red Delicious, Macintosh. That, those are all due to genetic modification. And the reason that the farmers do that is so that we have different tastes um, available to us, more variety, different sizes. And then they also do it to, to make these crops more resilient to climate change. Another example would be bananas. Uh, Bananas actually used to have seeds. There are no natural bananas that don't have seeds. They were all bred out. And then carrots actually used to be yellow and purple. But then the Dutch bred them so that they would be orange. And that happened in the 17th century. So this has been going on for, for a long time. Uh, Now, genetically engineered plants actually became a commercial product in about 1994, but they've been around for the last 30 years. So, GMOs have been actually studied more than the conventional crops that you've been eating your entire life. There is actually, at the time of this recording, over 1,700 scientific studies, that have been conducted to test whether these are safe for human health and the environment, and the overall conclusion of all these studies is that GMOs are completely safe for human health and the environment. It's not like there's you know ten studies or even a hundred. If something has that many studies over seventeen hundred, it just it doesn't need any more than that to show that it's safe. And it also shows the responsibility of the biotech world in ensuring that these crops are safe for us and the environment. So why are people so afraid of of GMOs? Well, human beings evolved with many flaws in our brain. If you look at our brains as an operating system, we have a lot of bugs that prevent us from making the right decisions. And part of that was just evolution ensured our survival. Um, but unfortunately, those those mechanisms that we have in the brain uh, make it very difficult for us to make what I would call a cognitive move from one direction to the other and make a good decision based on good science and good evidence. So our, our brains are really designed to... Um, analyze patterns and then make a decision on those patterns usually very quickly. And then we hold very tightly to those ideas that we have. So for example, if you're if you were in the African plain and you ate some red berries that looked a certain way and they made you extremely ill, almost killed you, you were keeled over, you were vomiting, you were in pain for days you, you would never eat those red berries again, and your decision not to eat them is very, very hardwired in your brain, and we need to be that way. Otherwise, you might eat the berries again and die. So basically, we're kind of designed like that. We also come up with opinions and ideas about things, usually not based on, on really solid evidence. Usually, people will see some headlines coming through their Facebook feed about GMOs, and then they'll see a headline here or there. Uh, they might see something on the news. Um, some friends might be talking about it, and then they kind of formulate their opinions based on those those things that they see and they hear. But they never really do. We don't really do the deep investigation on everything that we we really need to. In order to come up with a, a really valid opinion on things, and one of this one of the issues comes from uh, something called confirmation bias. And confirmation bias is the tendency to interpret new evidence as confirmation of one's existing beliefs or theories. So if we have a, a particular idea, an opinion about something confirmation bias basically says that we're really only going to look for things that support our opinions because it makes us as human beings uncomfortable to have our opinions uh, confronted and refuted by evidence and again that's just that's a bug in our in our operating system so Someone might come up with an idea, an opinion about GMOs, and then they're really only going to read um, articles or pay attention to people who are also um, who also support their opinion at that time, because they just don't want to feel uncomfortable and they don't want to feel challenged. And it's very difficult for for human beings to change their our minds, and that's called cognitive dissonance. So cognitive dissonance is that discomfort you feel when you have an opinion about something and then you're confronted with evidence that that shows the opposite. The second thing is the uh, it's called the appeal to nature. And this is an argument, it's actually a rhetorical tactic and basically it says that if something is is natural, that means that it's good. It's more desirable and it's more wholesome than things that are unnatural. And that ties perfectly into the GMO debate because people look at GMOs as unnatural. But this is a, a clear logical fallacy where you know, if you really confront someone who thinks that, that is something if something is natural that makes it better, And you really start to go down that rabbit hole, they'll immediately feel uncomfortable because clothes are not natural. Farms aren't even natural. For thousands of years before farming, 10,000 years ago, um, we didn't have farms. We just ate what was available to us in nature or we hunted. And so farming is not even natural. An organic farm is not natural. Uh, If we look at the history of our species we did not have farms for the vast majority of our existence, so farming is not even natural by itself. Um, and I, I could go on and on, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, basically, everything we do on a daily basis, everything we use, is not natural. So that particular fallacy is something that's used by some people in this in this uh, in this debate on GMOs. So going back to farming, uh, if if you were a farmer, you're going to pick seeds from the healthiest and the most robust crops that you can find, and you're going to cast aside those crops and seeds that didn't survive well in harsh climates. So all farmers from the beginning were doing genetic modification, or let's say you had a big family. And uh, you were growing tomatoes, then you would probably breed larger tomatoes to help feed your big family. So you would start the process of creating bigger tomatoes by breeding the largest tomatoes, and that's unnatural. And uh, that's why that it's it's so ridiculous to uh, to hear that particular argument. Um, what about these? This is something else that's you'll see flying around Facebook and things like that about these so-called mutant genes and frankenfoods. And this is just a complete lack of understanding of genetics. So all genes, let's just do a really basic overview of genes. Genes, all genes are mutants, all of them, whether they're in your body or they're in the foods that you eat. In fact, there was a great article written Uh, I think it was a German uh, evolutionary biologist about how all human beings are GMOs. Uh, We're all mutants. We all have genes that are constantly mutating on a daily basis. The only reason that you're able to listen to this right now is because your genes have mutated, not just in yourself, but in your ancestors. Every time you've ever eaten chicken, whether it's free range or not, you're eating mutated genes. When you eat broccoli, because broccoli used to not even exist, Um, that, that was a creation of breeding by human beings. Every time you eat broccoli, you're eating mutated genes. So all genes are constantly mutating based on our environment, what we eat, our stress levels. And this has created this hysteria, um, and it's just basic ignorance about genetics. So if you really want to understand that, talk to a geneticist or an evolutionary biologist, someone who really knows more than I do or anybody does on this particular topic of mutant genes and frankenfoods so you can get a clear scientific explanation of what's really going on. It's Some of these anti-GMO fanatics, it's kind of sad uh, what they've done. There's there's one particular topic I wanted to cover, and that is regarding the Swiss scientist, Ingo Petroikis. Some of you may have heard of him. About 15 years ago, Dr. Petroikis invented what's called golden rice. And this is a genetically modified rice that is enriched with a lot of vitamin A, So about every year, half a million children go blind due to vitamin A deficiency, and about half of them die within one year of going blind. So Dr. Petroikis, a humanitarian, wanting to make the world a better place, he started to create the golden rice, and he wanted it supplied free of charge. And unfortunately, um, his products are not, Completely getting to these kids who are going to go blind and die uh, because of these anti-GMO fanatics and the political pressure that they're putting on on certain countries and organizations. So it's really it's really hard to believe that something like that is happening just because of mass ignorance. Another thing is is our our population. The The planet Earth, is it's already overpopulated. And we're going to get an additional 2 billion people. I think we're somewhere between 6 and 7 billion now. But we're going to get an additional 2 billion people by 2050. There's no way that we're going to have enough food. We don't have enough food now for everybody. Um, currently... 1 billion people don't have enough food to eat. And uh, we're going to slap on another 2 billion in the next 30 years or so. Where's that, where's that food going to come from? It's not going to come from organic gardens. Uh, it's just not. And so we have to use our biotechnology, our GMOs, to solve that issue of overpopulation. Now I'm not going to get into the whole Monsanto uh, debate. Um, that's for other people to debate who want to get into that. Um, Monsanto is actually, I think there was a poll they're one of the top, if not the top, most hated uh, corporations in the world. And uh, whether that's justified or not, I won't. I won't get into. But I do just want to mention the scientists who are working on this in the labs. I mean, these are people just like you and I who went into their particular field because they want to make a better place. They want to make a difference. And I just want to tip my hat to them because they're doing great work. They've done some amazing discoveries, provided a lot of food to a lot of people. And I don't want us to lump in the the scientists in with the corporate... Um, you know, the corporate uh, gain of of what some people might be looking at when they're talking about a, a corporation like Monsanto. So there's, I, I do want to get into the support for GMOs a little bit more. And one of the things that you'll see in the headlines is that A lot of the studies, people say, well, all the studies that are in favor of GMOs are just funded by these big corporations like Monsanto. That's not entirely true. Um, We have the American Association for the Advancement of Science, uh, the World Health Organization, and a number of other scientific groups that have no ties with any corporations, and they're all unanimous that GMOs are completely safe. For human consumption. So let's go through a few things. The first one so, if you go to drhedberg.com, you can read an article I wrote on GMOs. Just do a search for um, for GMOs and it'll come up. There was a recent study out of Italy and it reviewed 1,783 studies on GMO safety. And 770 of these studies look specifically at their effects on human health. And the conclusion of the the researchers is that there's absolutely no evidence that GMOs are harmful to human health. So that's 770 studies. Uh, In 2012, the American Association for the Advancement of Science, uh, they concluded, and I'll just read this to you, Uh, Contrary to popular misconceptions, genetically modified crops are the most extensively tested crops ever added to our food supply. There are occasional claims that feeding genetically modified foods to animals cause aberrations ranging from digestive disorders to sterility, tumors, premature death. You'll see a lot of that out there on the internet. But such claims are often sensationalized and receive a great deal of media attention, none of them have stood up to any rigorous scientific scrutiny. Indeed, a recent review of a dozen well-designed long-term animal feeding studies comparing genetically modified and non-genetically modified potatoes, soy, rice, corn, and triticale found that genetic modification and their genetic genetically modified counterparts are nutritionally equivalent. Okay, the National Academy of Sciences, National Research Council, states to date no adverse health effects attributed to genetic engineering have been documented in the human population. The World Health Organization states. Genetically modified foods currently traded on the international market have passed risk assessments in several countries and are not likely, nor have been shown, to present risks for human health. The European Union, which has not been really not favorable at all to GMOs simply for political reasons, uh, they published a huge report, I think, about 268 pages report. You can download it for free. They stated in this uh, 2010 research review, the main conclusion to be drawn from the efforts of more than 130 research projects covering a period of more than 25 years of research and involving more than 500 independent research groups is that biotechnology and in particular GMOs are not per se more risky than conventional plant breeding technologies. So it's very clear the amount of rigorous scientific analysis of GMOs far exceeds anything that has ever been done for non-GMO foods that we've been happily eating for years. And there are actually some molecular biologists who say that GMOs are actually safer than our current conventional non-GMO crops. And that's simply because there's so much more data to support their safety. They've been over-studied, kind of like with um, aspartame and artificial sweeteners, which I'm going to do a podcast on as well. Um, because of the public and the political pressure and the media, these things are overly studied just to calm everyone down and uh that's just the fact gmos have had more studies to support their safety than non-gmo crops the other thing that that a lot of people don't know is that it takes 12 years of rigorous scientific analysis and testing before any gmo is approved for commercial use so it's not like they just throw these things out on the market that's 12 years uh, of scientific analysis by scientists who have our best interests at heart. They're not in these labs, uh, you know, wringing their hands and laughing and, and wanting this to be spread out, you know, into the population so that we're harmed. Um, they follow extremely rigorous scientific standards and checks, and 12 years is is plenty to to test these things. Now, there are... A few concerns that we can talk about um, but let's let's lay a little little bit of groundwork because a lot of people talk about conventional crops GMO crops versus organic foods and organic is becoming more and more diluted and a lot of people are buying organic foods, they're paying a lot more than they should for foods that aren't even really all that much different than conventional foods. So for example, the same active ingredient on the pesticides that organic farmers use is also used in conventional foods. It's called bacillus thuringiensis or BT. This is a, a protein that's toxic to insects and it's reduced, significantly reduced, the amount of insecticides, chemical insecticides that we need to keep our plants from insect infestation. Um, it works because the insect larvae eat it and they die. Uh, this, there's a, The second technique is with something like an herbicide, and that's like glyphosate, and that's Roundup. Glyphosate is a chemical, of course, and glyphosate is 25 times less toxic than the caffeine in a cup of coffee in the morning. So again, the dose makes the poison. Obviously, if you consumed a lot of glyphosate, you would get sick, just like if you consume too much caffeine, you would get sick. It's a chemical. Um... And I'm not defending Roundup or Monsanto, glyphosate. Again, I'm not going to get into that particular debate. Uh, But we have to keep that in mind that the amount, the dose does make the poison. If you drink too much water, you're going to get sick. If you consume, if you eat too many blueberries, you're going to get insulin resistance. Um, So... That's just something to think about in regard to these pesticides. So there are a few legitimate concerns that could have impacted the entire planet, and that's herbicide resistance and what's called gene exclusion. So basically, if weeds become too resistant to our herbicides, then we could have a problem. Uh, But we can't blame GMOs for that because we've been using herbicides uh, before GMOs, became a commercial product. And then genetic exclusion, that basically becomes a problem when we lose diversity in a gene pool of different crops. So each GMO is required to be the exact same DNA before it goes to market, so there's no variation. And that allows for good control of the crops. But if a particular insect or weed would target this DNA at a massive level, then we could run the risk of losing all of the crops. But again, that would be if this wasn't tightly controlled and studied like it is. So those are just some things to think about. And all of the pro-GMO people, scientists, of course, they think about that and they do everything they can to prevent that from happening. Um so how, how can we make this practical for you? Um, let's go through the main GMOs that are in use today. And hopefully this will allay some of your fears. The first one is corn. Uh, now corn is just not really a healthy food anyway to eat all the time or to eat a lot of the fatty acid profile. Isn't all that great. um, there's not, you know, a tremendous amount of vitamins and minerals in corn, and it's something that should be eaten in moderation anyway. I just eat corn when it's in season, so my body gets a big break from it. You know, nine ten months out of the year, I just don't eat a lot of corn, and because I like to eat things seasonally like that. So that's one food, corn, that you really shouldn't be eating a lot of anyway all the time. So if you got some glyphosate um, a, f- a couple times a week for a month or two, that's, there's no evidence that that would harm you. So it's not something to worry about. Now, if you ate corn that had glyphosate on it every day all the time, then that could be a concern. The next one would be cottonseed oil. Very, very poor oil for poor fatty acid composition. I do everything I can to avoid cottonseed oil. It's probably the lowest quality oil in our food supply. It's in salad dressings and some processed foods. And again, you should avoid processed foods anyway. and the and when you buy salad dressing in the store, Um, Even if it's, you know, organic, it's it's really not good quality. I mean, it's just not really well put together. So uh, we make our own salad dressings. Rapeseed, that's the genetically modified crop used to make canola oil. Canola is another very low quality oil found in processed foods. I don't recommend eating it. Soy. Soy is almost completely genetically modified these days. But again, in its processed form, soy is not really a healthy food. It's low in sulfur-containing amino acids. It has some estrogen in it. And I don't recommend soy on a regular basis for anyone, especially soy dogs, soy milk, soy burgers. If you're going to eat soy, choose fermented soy in moderation, like miso, soup, or tempeh. In Asian cultures, soy is only used as a condiment. It's not a staple of the diet. Uh, Papaya and squash. These are very common, genetically modified foods. Uh, Just Again, just eat them in moderation. No safety concerns. Sugar beets are now mainly genetically modified, but they're used to make refined sugar. So I don't really need to say much more about that. Everyone knows to significantly limit their sugar intake. So as you can see, if we look at all those top genetically modified foods, they're just not going to be a significant a part of a healthy diet for anybody. So it, none of these are things that I really eat anyway, and so I don't I don't worry about it. If I do, eat them once in a while and they're genetically modified and they have glyphosate. I don't, I don't care. I don't worry about it. My body's perfectly capable of metabolizing, uh, some pesticides or herbicides here and there. Um, so what's the best approach to this? If you're really worried about it, then you can use the precautionary principle just don't go out of your way to buy GMOs or eat GMOs. Again, when I'm at the store and I see something and it says non-GMO, I just, I don't care. Um, it doesn't matter to me if something's genetically modified or not. Uh, because I know the science shows it's not harmful to my health. Uh, there's really no reason to stress about GMOs. If you are worried about them harming your health, the scientific evidence is clear. And you've already been eating GMOs your entire life. Um, you definitely want to be skeptical about everything. Don't take my word for it. Go, go to this article that I wrote. I have all the links to all the organizations and their papers and their studies. Um, Again, the the conclusion is unanimous from all scientific bodies, and you need to avoid what's coming through your Facebook feed or what the media is saying. Um, Actually, I just found out that 70% of the articles that are shared on Facebook were never actually read by the person sharing the article. So all of your friends are sharing articles that they don't even read uh, the vast majority of the time, and so you have to question the source. And there's a big difference between a blog article or just some article written by someone on the Internet and scientific research. They're, They're not even in the same category. All papers go through a rigorous scientific peer review with other experts, Uh, Because I'm definitely not an expert on genetics or evolutionary biology or molecular biology. And so I'm going to be looking to those particular experts, people who have PhDs and master's degrees in those areas, to get valid scientific information. I'm not going to look to Greenpeace or um, some of these other organizations or blogs that put out information that is scientifically scientifically invalid. So we fear what we don't understand, and we're all scientists, but we're not all experts in certain areas of science. And that's why we need to, talk, to look to them and talk to them and then make our own best decision about these things. Now, in November last year, um... Dr. Richard Roberts, he won the Nobel Prize in 1993 in chemistry, and Dr. Roberts started what's called Support Precision Agriculture. And currently, 123 Nobel Prize winners have signed a letter supporting genetically modified foods. And this was actually in response to Greenpeace, Greenpeace was inappropriately scaring people into thinking that genetically modified foods are harmful to human health, again, despite there's no, no scientific evidence to support that. So these, these Nobel Prize winners in various um, fields that are related to biotechnology, the geneticists, the molecular biologists, the evolutionary biologists have come out in support of genetically modified foods in response to Greenpeace's efforts. And I actually I have a link to the Support Precision Agricultural website um, on this article on my website. And you can actually sign it as a citizen. And I, saw, I actually signed my name. You'll see my name on there as a, as a scientific professional in support of genetically modified foods. You'll also see various scientists. There's also a link on there. They're actually former critics of GMOs. They've changed their minds about GMOs, and they're now in support, and that's based on the evidence. And that's what I was talking about earlier, about the ability to make these cognitive moves Believing one thing and changing it to the other, and again, it's it's very very difficult as a human being to change your mind once you've you've made your mind up about something, and that like I said, that's just how our brains evolved. So you can join this Nobel laureate campaign if you want. You don't have to do anything. You can just put your name down in support, like I did. And uh, in fact, I might try and get. Dr Roberts on the podcast that would be really fascinating to be able to talk to him. And so if at any point there's enough scientific evidence to prove that GMOs are unsafe I will make that cognitive move and remove my support. But at this point in time the the research is unanimous that they are safe. So if you go to drhedberg.com, like I said, and just do a search for GMOs, um, this article will pop up with all the links that I talked about. So hopefully this will allay some of your fears or some of your worries about genetically modified foods, now that you understand a little bit better. And uh, like I said, do your own research, make make your own mind up. Uh, but please read the science and study the science and don't follow uh, Facebook articles and and what we hear on the internet and in the media. All right, so this is Dr. Hedberg. Take care and uh, we'll see you at the next podcast. If you enjoy The Dr. Hedberg Show, you can support it by sharing each episode on your social media channels, like Facebook, and by leaving a review on iTunes. Please visit drhedberg.com, that's D-R-H-E-D-B-E-R-G.com, to access the show notes and resources for today's episode.